can your son keep a secret? He's my son. He's my son. He is a man of honor. I kind of leave out that line in the Yeah, I liked in the- They leave out that specific line. They say almost the exact same thing, but in the book he says he is a man of honor. Well, and I like that because in the book, it's emphasized a lot more that he thinks his dad, in his way, is Mm -hmm. an honorable person. You know, sort of. Like- or his dad at least tries to follow some sort of code of honor. It parallels as well, because remember, you know? at, the, at the end, he yeah. says the same thing. Was Michael Sullivan a good man? Mm-hmm. He is my father. Welcome back to the VF Comics and Graphics Podcast. I'm really excited this week because this week our episode is the first episode of a new kind of focused mini-series thing we're going to do every so often where we watch adaptations of comics and graphic novels. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to watch the entire MCU all the way through I think if you want to hear about those films, there's lots of places to go listen to people's thoughts. Maybe we will talk about some of them, but we are going to focus on a lot of non-superhero and honestly, comics and graphic novels that you probably didn't realize were the basis for some of these movies. So if you didn't read the description and you or the description and you just hit play, know that today's movie is Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. And to talk about that movie with me are two of my friends. Oh, do you want us to like talk about ourselves and stuff now? Oh, uh, hi, I'm Megan. How's it going? Hi, I'm Tom, and I've seen Road to Perdition. (laughs) Tom's always way better. Hey, look at you. (laughs) I feel like anytime I I don't prepare you ahead of time, I see, like, I can see in your eyes, like, you freeze up, like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So I used to be in ballet because uh, sure, I'm seeing it. Um and um <laughs> and um one time I just forgot like half of the dance and I remember people later were like and I just like did some shit and people later were like we never would have known if your eyes hadn't gotten so fucking wide <laughs> and you just. The look of terror on your face. <laughs> I feel like that's something Tom time. has had to learn to deal with as I know Tom has uh, some anxiety. And in fact, he has several things he does whenever he's singing for his band at a show, like taking his shoes off, which is always just cute as can be. I love his feet. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, after every show, he you know, will usually ask me, he's like, oh, do you think anybody noticed this or this? 
but he's gotten a lot of practice in just moving on in the middle of it and not like eyes pop out over her, his head, uh, whatever yeah. that happens. I'm working on learning so to embrace is... it. Uh, sir, so, you know, like I really love animal collective and that's something that, uh, they purposefully do into their sets, uh, to uh, add improvisation and to change it because that to them is like the joy of music and creation is how it evolves and changes over time and to avoid having it be the same, you know? And, and in fact, I remember reading an interview where yeah. one of their pieces of equipment was malfunctioning and a tech offered to fix it. And they were like, no, please down it. It adds a variant to maybe it'll work this time. Maybe it won't. Yeah. And maybe we'll have to adapt to not having it, you know? Uh, which is oh, like mind boggling. I can't imagine operating uh, yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah. but it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, I think a really healthy way to look at, uh, um, Tom, permanence all and change. the amps are down. No, keep going. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's acoustic set. Keep going. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, I know. And I, luckily I feel like I don't do anything that's like public facing that mu- like that so i've never oh, yeah. had to worry about performing yeah okay. like i mean we might put some stuff on youtube but basement. if i freeze up it just sounds like silence yeah and you can edit it or out I can yeah edit it out or you just remember going true. that's uh, true that's uh, <laughs> true <laughs> so Hey, subscribe to our Patreon to get the oh, whole yeah, by the way. So you can hear that noise. So, yeah, experience. Yeah. So you can hear Marcus. So for those who haven't already, but who are listening, again. we do have a Patreon that starts at $5 a month where you get every episode unedited. So that way you will get everything from before we actually start cutting it up. So there's a lot of missing pieces, usually. Uh, definitely some vulgarity there. Um yeah, a lot of profanity. Yeah. Sorry. Which we that. obviously <laughs> typically will cut out quite a bit of that. Will we cut we? out some of it. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes we just slip and I'm just like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> it's in there now. But anyways, so today we, it, what I'm I'm calling these adaptisodes where we talk about these graphic novel adaptations. I just like the ring of it. Um so this is adaptisode sure. number 1 about Road to Perdition. Uh, Road to Perdition, uh, for those who don't know, uh, is a story that was originally a graphic novel written by Max Allen Collins with art by Richard Piers Rayner. And it tells of the story of Michael O'Sullivan, Michael O'Sullivan an enforcer for mob, for mob boss John Looney, who is betrayed by, by, by Looney's son, and then he goes on a quest for vengeance and freedom. And now I'm going to mess up sometimes because I've now read the graphic novel and watched the movie. And in the movie, they use a fictional name of Rooney. Rooney. But yes. in the book, they use the real name of the real person, Looney. Yeah, John Patrick <laughs> Looney. Yeah. Um, which is one of the, I, which ended up being one of the big key differences between the book and the film is that the film seems to try to the most part stand on its own and edits names or leaves out uh, historical characters altogether. Uh, but the book is submerged with true historical characters and events. Yeah. There's like condensing as well. Right. Because in the, it's been a long time since I've seen the graphic novel. Uh, Cause I borrowed it from a friend a long time ago, but it's in the, 
the book is like episodic, right? And like multiple, yeah, the book has three multiple figures hunt down Michael and Michael, whereas they roll that all into Harlan McGuire. Yes. So in the movie, they do right. create a character yeah. who is played. Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. Har- Harlan no, McGuire, the, the, the actor. Jude oh, Law. Jude Law. Which Jude, Jude Law. Law is yeah. almost unrecognizable in this role. Fantastic. I Fantastic. can't imagine. Yeah. He did a Gross. Christian Bale and the Machinist level sort of messing with his body. Like he he hunches yes. over, he's balding, he is very skinny and pale. He is, if you were put in trying to put a face to the villainy because the, for, you know, for Tom to be the villain to Tom Hanks, hero i put that in quotations hero um yeah <laughs> jude law oh we're gonna have a conversation kills about that for sure. it kills it kills mm-hmm. it kills it um what's funny about harlan is he is semi-charming mm-hmm. you know in the same way that like jude law usually is in a film like with his characters mm-hmm. so it's like that is there but i like that the change of it and and, and you can kind of see this with tom hanks's way of, of going about with michael sullivan too is Jude Law just simply removes the warmth from being charming. So like when Harlan talks, he's like conversational, but he's uncomfortable yes. in the conversation. You know, it's very much like, um, you know, John Doe's journals in seven, where how much of a chore it had it, it is for Harlan to be in normal society, you know, uh, and, and just having these normal conversations because he's a sociopath, you know. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, not to the extent that John Doe is, well, I, I, well, you know, you know maybe, maybe so. Cause he does some disturbing, <laughs> does some disturbing, uh, some disturbing shit uh, in this yeah, movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and I remember they based, you know, his, that character off of some, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So to go back to the beginning, so the way the movie and the book start are different, but they have the same sort of event that pushes the narrative into motion. So the movie starts off much more slowly because the movie is trying to be, it's a more personal story in the film, whereas in the book, I found it to be more grand. Um, in, the, in the film, Tom Hanks, is, when you first meet him, you're seeing him at a wake for someone that has died recently, and he is basically considered a second son to uh to rooney. to rooney yeah. and rooney's actual son um connor is played by daniel craig who is so young here and gorgeous and also does a fantastic and also job. does such an amazing job uh it's kind of a little bit jealous of that and so you see this this very interesting dynamic that's not really there in the book clearly like in the book there's a soft spot for uh, Michael, uh, Tom Hanks' character, but it's not explored as deeply as the beginning of the film. But the events that in the film and the book are very similar, not the same, but similar, in that uh, Connor, Craig, uh, Daniel Craig's character, and Tom Hanks' character, Michael, go to, basically to and they they're going to intimidate somebody they're trying to figure something out and during that intimidation connor decides he gets very frustrated with the person and which is funny because michael has sent 
to keep it calm. Yes, Michael is sent to keep it calm. And or at first he doesn't want to take Michael, and his father's like, no, you need to take Michael just, to make sure nothing goes you're wrong. You're just talking. You're just talking. He stresses yes. that you're just talking. Well, Connor yep. does, doesn't want to listen to that, and so he shoots uh, the person that they're with. And again, in both the book and the film, Michael's son, Michael Jr., has always wanted to know what his dad has been up to and has snuck inside the car and watches the entire thing. And after Michael has to shoot some of the other enforcers in the room, both Michael and Connor notice some movement outside the building and immediately Michael realizes it's his son outside and not just like a spy or anything like that. Which leads to very similar, a very similar exchange between Michael and Connor about Can your son keep a secret? He's my son. He's my son. He is a man of honor. I kind of leave liked, out that line in yeah, the Yeah, I liked in they the... leave out that specific line. They say almost the yeah. exact same thing, but in the book he says he is a man of honor. Well, and I like that because in the book it's emphasized a lot more that he thinks his dad, in his way, is mm-hmm. an honorable person. You know, sort of. Like... Or his dad at least tries to follow some sort of code of honor. It parallels as well because remember <laughs> you know? at the at the end he yeah. says the same thing. Was Michael Sullivan a good man? Mm-hmm. He is my father. Right. You know. And so, you know, both yeah. definitely deal with the complexities of, you know, finding out more about your parents than you realize and the growing up that happens when you find out that your parents aren't maybe what you thought they were, or in the idolized version that you had of them the whole time. Um but so that kind of sets things into emotion because in the book, Connor and his father both, but just in the movie, just Connor, Daniel Craig, decides that the kid cannot keep his mouth shut. And so he um, feeds Michael a fake letter. Which Rooney does go to intimidate him, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Rooney Sr. Yes. Like he does visit in the house. Movie. Yes. Yeah. And is like, isn't outright menacing, but it is a visit of intimidation yes. to be like, you need to keep the secret, you know. And but in both in both instances, it leads to an attack on Michael Senior, which he survives in both, and an attack on his family. Well, luckily, in Michael Junior was out of the house that night, but Connor, when Connor came to the house, his mother and younger brother Peter are home and are killed by Connor. And I can't remember if this is true in the graphic novel, Marcus, but in the film, Rooney senior isn't even aware Yeah, in the, in the film that this is the plan in the film, in the film, Rooney senior is not aware that's a plan, but in the book, from what I recall, and I just read it this past week, Rooney senior is aware that Michael will be killed, but he's not aware that Connor has gone to kill the mom and the son and in fact the and see they changed that to later with frank nitty 
with Rooney Senior, which I like. I like better. Yes. You know, I like. I like that. Yeah, we'll get into that. I'm sorry. No, you're good. And you know, and honestly, and this scene ends up clear in the book. Kind of clears up something that I was confused about in the movie. He uh, Connor just shows up, shoots the mom and the younger brother, and it's kind of off. And he doesn't seem to be looking for anyone else. Um, he just kind of like leaves. And it's kind of established in the movie, too, that Connor doesn't really know the family as well as his dad. Yes, um, which it's it's great. He does, and he doesn't pay attention to detail because he's always like, I can't remember mm-hmm. which Sullivan are yeah. you. Yeah. And so, yeah, in the book, when in the book. Michael Jr. specifically in his narration posits that he he's as he's killing the mom and younger brother. He couldn't even tell us apart. He just saw a kid and assumed it was me. Um, it's yes. very, 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 very direct, um, which is not something. And maybe I missed a piece in the movie, but it wasn't something I got clearly out of the movie. Although that was kind of I didn't think it was like a bad movie. In the, it was in the movie, they do it through the, messenger, through the messenger where he's like, take take Peter. You have friends in Ireland. And he's oh, like, I, yeah. I can't yeah. take right. Peter. You're right. It's like, yeah. It's, it, yeah. And he, I love he doesn't even say that. He's like, I can't take Peter with me. And like lets that no, right? He says, yes. Does he say he he's dead? He's, yes. He says he's dead. Yeah. And so that's a good that's yeah, a good pickup. I did not pick on that. In yeah. That movie. So they they deliver it that way through through the messenger. Uh, so pull this up real quick. So after that, uh, Michael Senior, after surviving his attack, comes home, and it's so interesting to me. And this is where the book and the movie really the movie really deviates from the book and that the book is much more violent and to yeah. the point that yeah. in the book for those who have seen John Wick because it's a, become a pretty popular series at this point Tom Hanks character of Michael is very much like a 1930s John Wick in the book he is killing guys left and right he literally has a nickname the angel of death he is he has a reputation and it's it's i would say almost more fantastical than what the movie does the movie really keeps things yep, close sure. to the chest and toned down in terms of the more crazy elements well it's cuz most of the movie's about perspective right mm-hmm. like even in the opening monologue about michael it's some say michael was a great man and some say he had no good in him at all and your opening shots of Michael are only from what Michael Jr. knows about him. So you don't even see Michael up close. You know, he's like distant. He's cold, you know, and. And so it's all about really where you are when you're interacting with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and the film makes, a, I think, a big a big deal about that. It also. You're not quite. I mean, Michael definitely has a reputation. Mm-hmm. But his reputation is definitely a bit more calm. It seems more his like, if you're seeing Michael, you know that you better follow along or you yeah, are in it's serious. It's like it's more like it's the final warning, you know, kind of kind of reputation that he has as opposed to like, oh, there's Michael. You're you're dead, you know, because in, even in the book, it's very much about perspective. He says frequently uh, when narrating events that whenever whenever there are scenes in the book where of Michael w- Michael senior without Michael Jr, he makes sure to point out, well, 
this is what I've read in the papers and other people's research, and this is what I assume happened. So it explains kind of the fantastical yeah. elements a little bit, yeah. too. Um, and I like that. But, uh, to, but to go back to what you were saying about like how they frame Tom Hanks for the beginning of the film, especially as very distant, the cinematography, which won an Oscar that year, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like is incredible. That rain scene alone. Yes. Um, Conrad L. Hall, who unfortunately passed away before the Oscars, and so he received this posthumously. It is one of the I cannot believe how well this movie stands the test of time. You could have told me it was made in the last year, and I would have believed you. In fact, honestly, I'd expect if they remade it now, it to be not as good <laughs> like there's just something about it would be interesting yeah something about the care and the quality and even though they turned down turn toned down some of those more violent tendencies the movie doesn't shy away from the fact that michael senior tom hanks who usually plays mr nice guy has done some bad things and he very much intends to do some pretty bad things in the near future in this like he is Tom Hanks is honestly, this is the furthest I've ever seen him away from his standard, typical Tom Hanks character. That's why it's it's a great role. Now, he's done cold-blooded in a couple mm-hmm. of things, like, uh, you know, Captain Miller in Saving Private Ryan is oh, kind of cold-blooded. Yes. I forgot. You know? And, and not, not necessarily cold-blooded, he's just, he's emotionally detached, mm-hmm. you know, which definitely is a coping mechanism that gets him through through uh, World War Two, you know, and those events. But that's the same thing, you know, you really, that's the only other character you really see him do that, where he's, you know, um, that scene at the farm when when uh, Michael's injured, uh, it's the first time, like, Michael really lets himself talk to his son yes. and be honest. And you can tell that even Michael Jr. realizes, like, my father does care about me. You know, like he he does care. He's, you know, it's it, it's just like nice to hear him admit like it's just well, easier they, for me this they way. Really earned that scene because when Michael Jr. goes to hug his father, it hits you. They have worked so yeah. Hard it this even movie. takes him aback a little yes, bit. Yeah, it, they, they've worked. They've spent so much time in this movie really showing you know keeping him distant that when that moment happens, it's so earned. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh. And Tom Hanks acts his damn heart out with the way he kind of starts hugging him back. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I would have liked to have seen in the movie, though, was his dad's relationship with, like, Catholicism. Like, uh, like... It was a they, they, they made a big deal out of it. You're absolutely book. right. Um, and I kind of well, I that. wondered, um, especially with his well, spoiler alert, his dad's death. Um, well, I wonder deal. if, you know, this is you know, having grown up Catholic, in my opinion, I felt that the depiction of Catholicism was very stereotypical of the Irish and how it's often viewed and so like i personally was not upset about the lack of inclusion for instance uh I'll try to dance around it so i was watching 30 rock 
and mm-hmm. which is just, just an amazing show. Some episodes have not stood the test of time. <laughs> uh, nope, but um, nope, Jack's brother is in town, and Tracy uh, Tracy Jordan is looking for religion. And so uh, Jack's brother says, "Oh, you're Catholic. You, you know, you just go to confession, and you're good to go." Like it's this. All you have to do is say the words, clean slate situation. And in the book, because like a lot of them do go to church, although the one scene in the movie in a Lost church, shows yeah. you that that's not always yeah. the case, by the way, one, one, one scene. <laughs> in an incredible confession yeah. scene, um, there is I won't spoil this scene, but there's a scene very quickly in a church near the end of the movie. Y'all remember what I'm talking about, where Tom Hanks is like right there. Oh, ooh. That's a great it's scene. So good. Um, and yeah, so, that's, yeah. as someone who grew up grew up Catholic and maybe doesn't still always agree with all of the ideals behind it, I just that depiction of oh, you just go to confession and like you're good to go, kind of mentality irks me. And I know his dad seems to look at it more than that, but after every kill, <laughs> he goes there and then he knows he's going to kill again. And so it's just, it it, it treats it a little bit more loosely. Whereas I do like his son's perspective on it, where he's just like, no, we don't do that with that intent. And so his son, in the book, his son, I can barely hear that in the background, don't worry. Yeah, don't Um, worry. No, you're okay. uh, In the book, his son does end up killing at least a couple people. And, but it's never like his intention and the father and Michael ends up taking Michael Jr. to a confession. Um, but just the way that Michael Sr. handles it and stuff like that, I can see some people being like, nah. And I can't remember what year the movie was made. Let me look at this real quick. 2000 and two. Yeah, 2002. 2002. And this is me just talking off the cuff. Not a super good time, I think, in the early 2000s to highlight the Catholic Church, uh, if that's around that time. Uh, you know, I can't remember if that was that, all coming to light in the yeah. early aughts or not. You know, honestly, like 2002, you're in the, the beginnings know. of post 9-11 yeah. society. And, and, you know, and this is, I mean, honestly, summer of 2002, if I remember <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, came out in the summer. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, um, I feel like terrorism and things like that were the main focus of, of news media mm-hmm. at the time, you know, because that all of that That's was true, just yeah. now That's coming true. about. It was. You know? yeah, Because we yeah. uh, I honestly like, you know, I remember seeing it in the theater with a friend and I definitely have a like a vague memory oh. of that time of like my dad always having the news on and it just constantly being about, you know, um, just reactions to to where the, the, the state of the world was moving yeah. to post 9-11. So those are just some of the reasons I yes. could think of. They may also, he may have wanted to just, uh, Sam Mendes, who directed it, um, who's an amazing director, may have just decided. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. May have just wanted to take it in a different direction than the religious aspect. But I, I like it whenever, I'm a big fan of when someone adapts something, and maybe this is me coming back from a superhero comic book background. I don't want you to just take the story and put it on the screen. I can go and read the book if that's what I wanted. Because usually True. the book... I some fans, <laughs> and like, like Megan just said, some fans do yeah. want 
a very loyal adaptation. Yeah. So it's it is really hard. And then some fans want a Charlie Kaufman adaptation. So <laughs> you know, there's just it. You know that can be hard. I it, it's it's crazy because like with the thing with Michael Jr. It's hard to say which is better because both are really great. I like that in the film, Michael is prevented from committing violence, you know? And I think there's an article with Max Allen Collins where he talks about the way that he depicted violence in the book and the the way the art shows certain things as, as like being like, he doesn't like it being called comic book violence, you know? Because to him, comic book violence was like, he even described it as like the classic like onomatopoeia of just like wow boof you know bam and then that person's okay you know and in this like no violence has a consequence in fact a violent act is what starts Mm -hmm. everything in the story you know and i like that it it's interesting in the book to put michael in that situation where he enters the cycle of violence and has to learn about his place in it and and the consequences of it. But it's also incredible to see the father as like his legacy being like, no matter what, my son won't enter this cycle, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so and that's where I saying that out loud. I think I do like the film yeah. version well, uh, choice and, better. But and I think uh, it's still like it's both are great in in the film version. Tom Hanks's Michael is a much more, I think, sympathetic character than the books yes. in that way, in that like, because they don't show how violent he can be, he's not killing as many people. I mean, gosh, at one point in the book, he actually remarks, he's like, I've killed 11 people tonight. <laughs> Are you going to be seeing you know, the like- movie first did affect how I read yeah. it? Uh, like, I, I, yeah. and I, I wasn't crazy first, about so... <laughs> about the book because. I love the movie so much. And I think they both, I think that they definitely both stand on their own for different reasons by, you know, you have similar events all taken very differently. Um, I do prefer the more sympathetic version with Tom Hanks. Yeah. But I like a lot of the historical context from the book. That's kind of left out of the movie. Like in the movie, they ignore uh, Elliot and they, don't have Elliot Nest. Al yeah, Capone. they don't have Elliot Nest at all. They have yeah, Al-, Al Capone's mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah. briefly. Yeah, um, but yeah, they, but they have just—they actually in the film they actually recorded. They actually filmed. Yeah, he was supposed to be um, in the film, but it, it yeah. got cut. And, and that may yeah. have been them just making a. I think a, in the film a stylistic choice to not necessarily tie it to those events and maintain focus on the characters because the film is much more focused on the characters than I think the book is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because in the book, you don't get to know Michael, I feel like, as well as you get to know him in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I got I got that same vibe, too, of when I read it, I didn't feel the attachment that I felt to mm-hmm. Michael. Uh, yeah, no. In, in the same way, you know? And, and, and I don't know if that happened for you, Megan, since you got the the kind of the way you usually want it of seeing it in literature first and then and then and then seeing the adaptation but um you know it does it it's an interesting thing because it really does go back to what you were saying uh the last episode about seeing uh you know sequential art as uh as more purely like in the in the visual sense like you compare it more to films in your mind than you do because i think like it does but it's funny that 
this is definitely a story where some of my favorite parts could not happen in a book, you know? And and the main yeah. thing is like, I, who directed it with, with like that. Sam Mendes and he loves like water, you know, like water is definitely a big part. Like it opens yes. near water, major deaths occur near water. And in fact, like the, the most like impactful scene for me is when he finally does kind of confront Rooney in the rain. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best scenes is that man in the car hits the car horn, you know, like he falls down dead on it. And the noise that that would make, you know, just like that earth shattering honk is this unending because you can't get in the car. And then the machine gun fire. But we only hear Thomas Newman's piano, mm-hmm. you know, and it's incredible. This is like chaotic you know, crazy violent scene next to this like sleepy, you know, lulling piano as this like rain yeah, falls, you know, so thick. I, that's just that's where you, that's a movie scene. Yeah. You know, it's like so and you can draw that, of course, but I would say, like, you know, visually, you can definitely get it. Will Eisner is famous for having done that with a lot of his like spirit work. Sometimes the way he drew rain, it became its own style. But it's that's where like film has the added auditory sound yeah Yeah. sound giving it you know the the one up there because that's just that's always the scene that i remember from that movie and it's like that's one of my he's one of my favorite composers too you know and yeah it was it was um, and the music was very very good carry on that uh you know i feel like major spoiler alert if you're planning on reading this or watching this um, so might want to skip ahead like two minutes. Should... I don't know. Spoilers for a 2002 movie is, is like, like I'm, I'm on the edge, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, so skip ahead two minutes because I just want to say real quick that the same thing he does a very not this he doesn't do the same thing, but he does something else with sound in the movie that I thought was masterful, and that is when Tom Hanks is shot at the beach house. The way he does the sound of the yes. waves over that scene, it terrified waves. Melinda. Oh, she yes. like. Oh, yeah, really? the, the, just the suddenness of, yeah. of it. And it's on top oh, of being yeah. so well shot. He does oh, another great scene with just the sound of the ocean in the background of the situation, which just accentuates it almost like how good. quiet the scene is. I also hate that Harlan gets Michael in the end. Yeah. Fucking I do too. I, I didn't hate like it. That. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. I didn't like that. I mean, obviously, he him dying made sense, but like for sure, you know, it's because like I got in the conversation with Melinda of like, does he did he deserve death? You know, because I feel like that's the first time we end up like, well, yeah. you know, that's how the cycle ends, you know. But it's like yeah, it is. with Michael, it's hard to even say because what a high price to pay with his wife and his youngest son's death. Mm-hmm. That really like that's true. Anything that these awful men that happened to Connor or any of that, they had that coming to them. I also think, thinking of uh, Connor, uh, again, potential major spoiler alert, blah, 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 skip, whatever. Connor's death in the film is so much better and more beautiful than in the book. On top of he, so he like there's some shots in the film where I felt that there was almost a great comic book artist mentality of the way he framed the scenes, and this was one of them where Tom Hanks walks through 
first off, walking through the hotel is so good. But then he the sound of the yeah. hammer being pulled back on his gun as he pulls it out of his yeah. coat too in the hallway. You're like, fuck, uh, it's about to happen. But he walks in and you don't follow. You see Tom Hanks go into the bathroom and you're facing the bathroom door and you fa- and you can see Tom Hanks the whole time, but you don't see Connor. You just see Tom Hanks go in, turn, shoots him. But then as he it, as he leaves. The way the door swings and the mirror catches the image of Connor's mm-hmm. body and the blood and the brain splatter behind him is yeah. just, it was, I thought it was just masterful. It was, it was so, so good. damn good. Just proof of what an artist, like, uh, again, that, the cinematography deserved they they deserved that Oscar. He worked for that Oscar. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it was so but, good, man. Gosh, uh, and whereas you know, and in the book versus the movie, in the book, you know, he's kind of after getting a hold of both Connor and his father, where dealing with senior um, Rooney in the film is just something he ends up having to do but something he tries to avoid he he does not want to necessarily do something to rooney senior because in the film they've established that they have a father-son-ish bond um in the book that that bond's not there and he he goes after both of them yeah in the film he has a hard time even calling it against michael like he He's, he's like, like oh struggling God. with it, but it's like, if I, if I don't, I can't, it, it, Michael's going to do what he's going to do. So I either get in the way and protect my mm-hmm. son or, you know. I liked though. Okay. So obviously in, if they had stayed completely true to the book, the rain scene wouldn't have happened and the super emotional Paul Newman, you know, scene. But, um, I really liked that he wanted to keep, uh John Looney in the book uh alive uh and in jail I liked that. yeah I that yeah was, I thought that was good because like I don't I don't think it made sense for him to kill well, him in I, the I movie did, it did to me because it was a means to an end he didn't want to but he knew the yeah. only way to get ZD to agree is he was like look nitty nitty sorry uh, I've been saying ZD. Oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm hungry. ZD I'm is really hungry. good. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. tasty. If you're making ZD tonight, that's <laughs> yes. awesome because it is. But, um, but he, <laughs> you know, he makes a like he makes a point like I need to find out where he is, and Capone's men are the ones who can tell me. And in the film, he tries to avoid it, but when it's unavoidable, he's like, if I take out Rooney Senior. Capone's men will be like, well, there's it just like in the book. He he knows it's the only situation where Mm -hmm. they're like, well, at this point, Junior is a liability. So, yeah, here and in the movie, they again do the book. They kind of let it just happen. But in the movie, the build up to Capone's men just letting it happen, like letting leading him basically to the hotel room, leaving the door unlocked. See, ooh so good i felt more build up in the book because i knew what was happening in the oh, movie, and it wasn't okay. as impactful. yeah yeah it, that yeah that's a good point it does like lead the 
with the movie, it's like definitely presented to you as like the summation of the events. No. Like, of course, this is yeah. this is coming, and that's that's not true it, for the. Which is, you know, how I felt about. Uh, I guess spoiler, spoiler, the the death at the end, you know, the beach house death. Like I knew it was happening because I knew he had to die. Yeah, because we so don't see we don't see Harlan like, called <laughs> off or <laughs> well, or anything like and, that. Uh, you that know, ending so. of the film. And the book being different in that way is why I don't mind adaptations not being 100% faithful because then that way, that way there are certain things that aren't ruined for me because I know what's going to happen. And, you know, that's true. I know like, like a weird example, Ashley, you know, doesn't, you know, she's watched the the old Spider-Man movies but when, when Spider-Man Far From Home with Mysterio came up, when Mysterio turns on Peter, she was flabbergasted. She actually, Ashley, oh my couldn't God, I was believe too. it. And I was like, what? And was what? Yeah, they just, she, she didn't I watch know. the cartoons growing up. And I was flabbergasted when he wasn't yeah, at yeah, first, yeah. when they was sympathetic. I was like, yeah. no, fuck Mysterio. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, and so I don't feel sorry for Jake Gyllenhaal's no ass. No. That's where awareness of oh, man, history or a book or a story can really change. And I love that the people at Marvel took advantage of that, where they were like, people, some yeah. people are going to be waiting but they and here's the thing, they the way the great thing about them not adapting a straight story from a comic, not that it would be sensible to do that anyway, was those who knew were like waiting for it. Like, where's the moment? And then when he takes on such a mentor fatherly role, you're like, oh man, what like, the shit what's going is happening? On? Yeah, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not <laughs> well, going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for those who didn't know about Mysterio, you're like. Oh, that's so cool! He's found this other. What the fuck? <laughs> it's funny because yeah. I'm guilty of like whatever the director tells me to buy into. Usually, I'm like, all right, okay, yeah. like <laughs> uh, you know. And so with this story, like I'll you know, but he was one where I was like, there's no fucking way, like yeah. you know. Uh, well, and that's <clears throat> I I don't like that I get upset when I read a book and it's different from the movie because sometimes it's a really great world. It's a really great story for the most part, but there's stuff about it that the author just kind of like totally fucked up, which I don't think is true of this or like, you're just like, this is shitty and could be better. And um, that's obviously, I think that's great. If, if a movie is able to take that and make the world that already exists into something exponentially better, that's totally a thing. Yeah. Um, well, I I'm know. the asshole. For not being able to handle it sometimes. You know, I think a good way to approach all those things is it one thing is not true all the time for every case. Sometimes they royally fuck a book up whenever they're (laughs) adapting it. And you're like, my God. Like this was either just a pure cash grab or you just had no respect for (laughs) anyone that's read this book or the book itself. And sometimes someone that really loves it is just aware that they can do something really cool with it of like, you know. Yeah. I I think superhero comic book readers have a very special connection to this sort of thing because besides like Sherlock Holmes and James Bond, the one place that you see constant revisions and new versions and adaptations of characters is in superhero comics. 
every artist and writer that's taken on Batman has had a different interpretation of that character. And sometimes, and you know, now that we're, you know, knee deep in Batman movies too, some of them I like, some of them I don't. And that's okay. You know, like, I'm just like, Ooh, I'm not like down for that person's interpretation. And I think that the rest of the world, as we see more and more great book adaptations and stuff like that, you know, it's going to end up getting more on board and understanding with that, where it's, it's okay for you to be like, Oh, I'm not a fan of this version. I was trying to think, I feel like there was a movie I'd seen recently where the film had a cleaner, I thought did a better ending than the book. What was it? Oh, well, no, Road no. to Perdition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is definitely Oh, one. no, I remember it wasn't better. It was different. But I remember whenever, and this, the Watchmen graphic novel is one of the best, if not the best graphic novel ever written at this moment. But in the film, one thing they decided to do was instead of Adrian Vite, Vite, um, randomly transporting a giant squids all over the planet as he did in the comic book in the movie he did he does it by stealing dr manhattan's power in the movie he instead just uses dr manhattan's power to teleport a bombs across the planet and they and they have dr manhattan's energy signature on them therefore the government's like dr manhattan did this and I always thought that that was a little bit more tied together mm-hmm. ending for it. But all but in all, squids. that Shit. movie sucks. <laughs> but I thought that ending was a yeah. little bit tighter. But then, you know, be- because of the comic book ending, we got the amazing Watchmen series on HBO Ooh, the other year. Which is so good. So good. <laughs> My God. My God, that series was so good. And so, have you seen that yet, Megan? It's so good. It's worth it. It's just going to be the one season. Yeah, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it's uh, it's Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. uh, from from Lost, and it has oh, like it has selling point anymore, Tom. I think a you little bit that. of that like uh, it has like some of that that eeriness mm-hmm. to it, oh. you know. Um. They definitely adapted it's, the tone it's awesome. of the book, I thought, way better. Um, whereas the movie tone yeah. and some of the stuff they did was a little bit too close to how Frank Miller ended up doing his adaptation of The Spirit, which I got to talk with Randy Duncan about just this past week uh, for the library, where uh, he's a professor of comic book studies. We've had him on before. We talked about The Spirit by Will Eisner's film adaptation and he's like we he was like let's not talk about it please <laughs> it's so it's such a, like a bastardization of the original story um so i feel That's like sick. we covered a lot of ground here well yeah we talked about the whole movie but hopefully not so much that you're not going to want to go see it i had a couple pieces of trivia we didn't go over um one was there is a scene uh where Tom Hanks as uh, Michael doesn't know he's about to be attacked. And in it, he very quickly shoots uh, the guy that's about to attack him. 
and another guy in the corner. And it's very cool. He did that himself. Scene. Yeah, he did that himself. Um, and what? And what? So Mendes was like, "Oh nice. hell yes!" <laughs> on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then nice. something we talked. Oh, actually, that was really it. The other thing I had that I thought we hadn't was we did talk about how uh, Michael Sullivan Jr. in the book does kill and his father does actively hand him a gun, whereas in the movie, his father does still try to hand him the gun, but there's a little bit more fight there, and Michael's not as eager or willing on all that. Also, I do have to bring up the comedy of Michael learning to drive and being the getaway driver scenes oh yeah so yeah. good like so, so good a nice little light so good. uh touch at that part of the movie because there's that there's one part where like so michael being a kid oh and we didn't talk about michael is tyler hoachland he's superman oh that's how old this movie is the guy currently playing Dude. superman yeah the TV movie is old so it's it's funny like i feel like that needs to be like a disclaimer in the episode of like at this yeah. point it's like you know it, it's an older movie it could be like a classic you I know mean, like for sure he's my age yeah, we're about the same age and yeah no he's playing superman on tv um on lois and superman and he was superman on supergirl and he's so great at it and I couldn't help but see <laughs> Superman in several scenes. It kind of took me out of That's it. That's so Even funny. Even though he's like, you know, like 12 or 13. Um, but yeah, so that was really, really cool. The actors that they have show up in this movie are so good. Yeah, what a cast. I mean. Um, yeah, holy cow. I mean, that was Paul Newman's yep, last Paul Newman's last movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which, fantastic in it. Wow. My God. You did so, so good. I, I can't remember where I was going with it before I got I remember started. I had a hard time in Casino Royale not being like fuck Daniel Craig because <laughs> <laughs> like just like remembering oh, him as Connor. See, that was my first movie. <laughs> being like, this, this guy is an asshole, you know. <laughs> I know. I've never so, seen him be an asshole. Um that shows how Weird. good Daniel Craig is because I fucking love uh Daniel like yeah. that that's been the yeah. like I you know, I, I definitely grew up watching James Bond. And like just like loving them for the fun of just, you know, campy action movies that they are. But uh, yeah, sure. I, like, you know, with Casino Royale and Skyfall, like those are just great. Elevated that genre. Uh, Casino for sure. Royale changed the uh, game for sure. Yeah. Um, I was going with something before I got distracted by him being Superman. I was just like, what the hell? Um. <laughs> Oh, because Megan was like, oh, he's in Teen Wolf. And I was like, I never watched damn Teen Wolf. Yeah. I know, well, that's why I'm I was kind of like, Wolf. ew, it's the guy from Teen Wolf. And then I immediately was I like, I oh, it's Superman. Don't. Hell yeah. Oh, and something that did pop into my mind is when we were talking about adaptation endings when it's a direct thing and it's it's not a, a graphic novel ending or anything, but No Country for Old Men, I think, is like direct. Um no spoilers. You haven't seen No Country for Old Men? I have it checked okay, out. No Country for Old Men. If you didn't have it checked I out, I would be like, tell It's one of my favorite <laughs> endings to a to a movie okay. for sure. Like it yeah. is. Literally. It, it is yeah, definitely okay. one of my yes. favorite endings to, to a movie it's ever. It's a part of list. And I'm pretty films. sure it is okay. a direct like reading of the final chapter. Um, wow. And okay. It is Tommy. It is a part of a series of films of Tommy Lee Jones making up for batman forever oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, i, I, lo- I remember I, he's watching so good captain so america the first avenger and being like oh yeah he's making up for two-face right now 
good. He'll be doing it. Yeah. Man, you know, it's so fucking just thinking of him having to put up with Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Oh, he, I remember reading stuff that he hated it. <laughs> That's a you know I'm that's sure. another uh, episode we'll have to do we'll have to watch Batman Forever and just talk about Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Megan and I visit like. Oh, go uh-huh. ahead. No, no, no. Uh, go ahead. Because I, I, I mean, I grew up loving Tommy Lee yeah. Jones from like. It's just funny, like yeah. seeing him from like I'm The Fugitive, love. then Men in Black, all which are incredible. Like you know, I loved Men in Black oh, as a kid, and I so loved uh, oh, this one's still good. Uh, the Fugitive is you know like that that was such a great movie. Now I haven't seen the sequels to Men in Blacks. So I don't know. Um, you're not missing anything. If those hold up, okay. Yeah, I was like, I've only seen the I first either. one, but Although, that first movie is was is a good childhood. Memory the third sure. one is Josh Brolin fun. playing a young Tommy Lee Jones, and he kind of does a great job. Josh Brolin. Is pretty incredible. He's like he's Josh rolling Brolin. up there for me. Yeah. Um, like I said, I just watched Sicario recently, and oh, uh, yeah. and he and Benicio del Toro are incredible in that. Well, um, I told Megan. Megan uh, brought up another. So for those who are listening to us ramble, because someone's listening, yeah, um, shit. <laughs> some editing some to editing do on our tradition. Um, but <laughs> so Megan and I earlier were talking about you know what movie we might do next, and she had come up with another action film. And then I was like, no, I want to do something different. So we'll announce these ahead of time. So if you want to watch before we talk about it, you can uh, from now on. But I mentioned that one thing that popped in my mind was Ghost World. Oh, yeah. Ghost World. Um, it's supposed to be very good. Movie and well, book. Well, I was thinking the same thing. And I'm 98% never... certain that this is coming out soon-ish that Randall Park is adapting Adrian Tumming's shortcomings. Um. Oh, and really? yes, I, and I don't know if it's even in production yet, huh. but if it is, you know, like we'll have to keep our eye on that because that would be a really yep. uh, great, uh, a great book, of course. But uh, the, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with that. Yeah, definitely. Mike going to check on that for us as we're as we're uh, talking shortcomings, Randall Park. Yeah, it was announced in 20. 20- 2021 that he was gonna make his directorial debut doing shortcomings adaptation well, all right Ooh. all right all right so i imagine that's in production now i don't know he's spending all like who'd you say it was randall park randall park that from, is yeah he's gonna be directing it and randall i randall park think... like from like ant-man and uh yep oh mm-hmm. yep fresh off the oh, boat so mm-hmm. cool so he, he'll have to stop practicing his magic his magic his uh up close magic <laughs> to direct this yeah film. <laughs> I love that he, he did. Uh, his character popped up in WandaVision too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we'll right. keep planning oh God, and talking that right. out as a team. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you so much for checking us out. This has been a very long talk about the road to perdition. Please make sure to yeah. uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You'll find all the links in the description below. You can also, if you're feeling generous, go to patreon.com in the link below. And give us a little bit of money so that way we can afford to not only buy these books instead of going broke buying these books, because I'm going to buy them anyway. And I don't care how poor I get. Mm-hmm. I do, but, you know, I'd rather not. Uh, but your money could help. And then, you know, we could also start doing some really cool prizes. And that includes a lot of the book club books that we are doing. So make sure to click any of those links below and do something nice for us, even if it's just to say, hey, you guys are okay. And I appreciate that. Um, and that's going to be it for us this week. 
Um, don't forget, everyone, to always read what you love. <laughs> <laughs>